1: I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we.
0: And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers. Cheers!
1: All right, what are we drinking today?
0: So we're having a new drink, if you can believe it. Hard to believe. It's called the Vanessa Polk. It was named after some heiress in a book that this bartender had read. Right? Oh, nice, okay. But what's interesting is it's very few ingredients, but it's interesting mixture. So you take one and a half parts of your favorite rum. You can go anywhere from light to dark. I think aged is better. And then three quarters of a part of the cherry brandy liqueur. Okay. And six drops of chocolate bitters. Okay. And one dash of Angostura bitters. Wow. Stirred and then served with a Luxor cherry.
1: I mean, I lack like all those ingredients.
0: Yes, me too.
1: <laughs> it's a pretty drink. Yeah. That's deceptively delicious.
0: Yeah, you know what it isn't? is? It isn't so sweet. You would think it would be like a sickening sweet drink. <laughs> It's not at all. And you get like this great smooth blended alcohol taste. Mm-hmm. Then you get cherry and then you get chocolate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the cherry to chocolate. Transition. But in, but, but, in a, but in a bathing of that rummy yumminess. Yes. It's delicious. It's really good. It's a good drink. I like it. Tell me what it's called again. The... Uh, it's the Vanessa Polk. Vanessa Polk. All right. Good. Mm-hmm. Today on The Conversation, we have Pincushion. You know, it's just an interesting conversation to meet Kingsters who have different fetishes than we do. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So Pincushion, welcome to The Conversation. You know, we always ask our guests to share their journey as a sexual creature. So tell us who you are as a sexual creature, how you discovered yourself and how things have evolved, what you're up to today.
2: My name is Pincushion. Uh, that's the name I go by, at least um, publicly in online space, kinky online spaces. Um, and um, oddly enough, I'm actually not into needle play. I've never done needle play before. I'm not. It's not like a limit or something, but it's it has nothing to do with my name. It was meant to be more of a metaphysical thing. Mm. Um, I'm on the submissive side of the slash and the bottoming side, and um, I like being metaphysically poked at. Mostly, uh, primarily, I guess I would say, with mental play. I'm really into kind of more extreme dominant submission uh, and power exchange. I'm also really into hypnosis and mind control, um, emotional sadomasochism and humiliation, those sorts of things, although I also really enjoy um, being whacked with, um, you know, pokey things and slappy things and things like that and being tied up and all the rest, there's a few things I'm not into. Um, so yeah. Um, how did I get to this point in my life? It's been a long journey. Um, I am in my late forties. So I guess I'll go back and, and say that I started in my late teens. Um, when um, I was, um, when I got into my older brother's porn stash, so this is <laughs> in, like the nineties when like the web didn't have copious amounts of kinky content on it. So yeah, so my brother had some Playboy and Penthouse magazines and in the back of those magazines, there were these ads for phone sex operators and there were, sometimes there was something about BDSM or about dominatrixes. And for some reason that really caught my eye. Um, even though I thought that all this leather and stuff like that was kind of weird, I didn't quite get it. Eventually got the guts to call some of these women and talk to them on the telephone and I took to it very quickly. And so I really, it was phone sex that got me into BDSM and when I was in college, I wanted to take it to another level and see if this was just some kind of a weird phone sex thing from me or if I really was into the real deal um, and not just talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so I went and saw pro dom, And it was actually a terribly disappointing experience oh. because it was so incredibly softcore compared to all the stuff that I've been talking to with these Doms on the telephone that I, oh, if this is what it really is in real life, then... I'm terribly disappointed. Like the most hardcore thing we did was that she let me rub her feet, which was very nice, but it didn't seem kinky to me. It didn't float my boat. It didn't give me the experience that I was hoping for. And I almost gave up on the whole endeavor at that point. Uh, But I took another chance and I went and saw another another pro-dom a year later. um, And I told her about the first experience and we, I uh, negotiated um, like a much more hardcore scene and it was fabulous. <laughs> I, it was still to this day, it's one of the most memorable kinky experiences I've ever had and involves pegging and forced femme and humiliation and wax play and just a whole lot of stuff. I had a lot of fun with it. And actually one of my biggest moments in my entire kink journey was the next day going to the bathroom. And it hurt down there from the pegging. And instead of being like ouch and feeling regretful about that experience that I had the day before, it actually made me smile and sort of be daydreaming and mm-hmm. be like, oh my gosh, that was such a wonderful experience. Yeah. And and realizing that like, wow, like I really got this inside of me. I love this. But that was also mixed with a lot of shame. I felt like really bad about the fact that I liked this activity. <laughs> And it was utterly inconsistent in my mind with anything that I had been raised to believe was, um, you know, uh, the way that you meet girls and date them and, you know, fall in love and all those kinds of things. It seemed like just a completely different world.
1: Yeah. So I have a question for you, though. Were you aware at that point in time that you actually were into, like, psychological play and humiliation or was that just something that came out of that experience
2: i think in those days like around my college days i was starting to get into it but it was more just this general feeling of i want to be dominated i want to i want to submit to a powerful woman and i was i knew at that time i was gravitating towards humiliation i remember asking that second pro dom to humiliate me
1: interesting
0: Did you ask, you know, because that's a whole huge chest of choices. Did you kind of lay out what humiliation for you means? Not that you're trying to make the choice for her, but like, that's a huge, like if someone said, I want to be humiliated. Well, Well, did you just
1: let her like figure out what to do?
2: Yeah, I honestly, it was long enough ago. I mean, that would have been something like 26 years ago. I don't remember how the negotiation went. I mean, yeah. I, I do remember that I was standing in front of her. She was like sitting on a throne and I was naked, which was all humiliating in and of itself. And like, beyond that, I have no idea what I said. To her.
1: Interesting. Okay. So now that you're at where you're at today, which is 20 years later as you think about, because you mentioned it earlier, I'm into emotional humiliation or psychological humiliation. So what does that mean to you today? Like, how does that play? Because that's something we haven't really delved into.
2: Yeah, so what I've been calling it most recently is emotional sadomasochism. Okay. So for many, many years, I said, I'm into humiliation. I'm a humiliation junkie, but it's not completely true. I mean, I love humiliation. It's probably my favorite type of play but it's broader than that so i'm these days i've come a long ways and i can explain about how i got here but i'm polly i have a couple of partners and i do most of my emotional state of masochism play with one partner catherine control who you've interacted with suffer. yes and she and i get into it in a big way and it's not really it's not really the sort of traditional humiliation that you might think of involving a lot of name calling and verbal abuse it's more what you might call for lack of a better word like psychological torture like she's trying to make me feel really jealous or regretful or things like that but not necessarily feel ashamed that's that's kind of the way that she likes to play or Uh make me feel very fearful like fear play right and all these things kind of fall under an umbrella of emotional sadomasochism, which for people, it seems like people who are into that kind of play kind of recognize that there's many, there's there's just sort of a general concept of like emotional or mental anguish that's broader than merely humiliation.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here because you're on a very important topic right now. We've Mm -hmm. never had someone talk about humiliation the way you're talking about it. And you have an opportunity here to actually open up worlds for people so yeah, there definitely are listeners listening going oh i don't like humiliation or they're or they're saying well i don't still know what he's talking about can you of those different for instance give us a for yeah instance. the subheadings of the different types that you were talking about just a for instance an example it doesn't have to be detailed but because people can't grapple this in their head they it's just not, yeah, they don't understand it yeah. they don't understand it yeah
2: Right, right. Okay, so I can give some examples of this and how it plays out. So first off, like when people talk about humiliation, people, a lot of kinksters tend to kind of shoehorn or pigeonhole that into like into very narrow concepts, right? Calling people losers, calling you a slut or calling you names, right?
0: Okay, okay. And if it's
2: not that, then they're making fun of the size of the penis or whatever it might be. Yep. Some sort, some form of body shaming, right? And those are all legitimate and valid forms of humiliation. Some people are okay with that and some people are not. But humiliation can be much broader, right? Humiliation could be, for example, could be something like tying someone up on a St. Andrew's cross and then just like um, looking at, you know, and then the dominant or the top looks at them and points at them and says, look how you look so ridiculous or I can't believe you let me do that or something like that. Okay. That's humiliation, and then for other types of emotional sadomasochism, it might be things like what Catherine likes to call cuckolding, but it's not like the sort of traditional cuckolding, where I might be, she might have me watch while she spinks another submissive, mm. and I have to watch and feel jealous because I wish that I was being spanked by her instead gotcha. of the other submissive or something gotcha. like that. Yeah. Right. That's not really humiliating. But it does stir up jealousy. It's
0: it's like frustrating. And I think that is a part of kink. Frustration.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: This is interesting, you know. I I love this a lot, actually, because he has a perspective on humiliation that's... Well, it's unique. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's unique. And it's actually like as lived, which I appreciate. Which I, yeah. yeah. So,
0: I mean, the
1: sense I have is the DS dynamic... The actual kink itself isn't the thing. The thing is the power exchange. So do you resonate with that? Do you feel like as a submissive, you gravitate toward the power exchange and the kink is just a way of expressing that? Or do you gravitate toward the kink?
2: Mm, I don't really like personally distinguish the two so much. Okay, say like what? The power exchange, I think, is a form of kink. Mm-hmm. And for me, it really does. I'd say mostly, it pretty much comes down to power exchange in different ways that we manifest that.
1: So if like, I was your so, dominant, I could I, take you where I wanted to take you and you would just go with it, no matter how humiliating or subjugating it was, because you're in the power exchange. Is that what I'm understanding?
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair way of putting it. The way that I look at it is that there are many submissives I hear this from many other submissives who are into submission to find a sense of peace, who want to relinquish control to someone else so that they don't have to make any decisions for themselves. Sure. And the yes. reason they find some emotional fulfillment from this is because it reduces their anxiety. They can kind of give over the decision-making challenges to their dominant. Right. That and can be out of fact, Perfectly valid.
1: Right? Yeah. That can but, be out of fact of the dominant.
2: Right. So, but my urge for submission is not to find peace. It's actually like she, I feel like it goes beyond that. It's like if that's the floor of power, it's like I like being down in the basement. Okay. And the basement is where she, is where my dominance has so much power that she's doing things to me that I don't like.
1: That you agree like, to?
2: Like an, that I that I that I even might object to, or under other circumstances I wouldn't might not even consent to. But it, within the context of this relationship i'm consenting to it
0: because that, because that you consent to the power exchange okay
1: so give us an example right. of what that looks like
2: well that something like humiliation is a good example of that i don't like being humiliated i feel bad okay. yeah yeah well, sometimes right sometimes i might cry yeah okay but at the same time i'm feeling this kind of exuberant joy in a part of me because i am giving that power over and i'm watching you know wow, uh my dominance sadistic come out, sure. And that makes me really happy.
1: So have you looked into the chemistry of humiliation against the chemistry of arousal? Because they're very similar chemistries, biologically speaking.
2: I have. not I didn't know anything about that.
1: Yeah, so it turns out, this is what I understand, it turns out that some of the brain chemistry that occurs when you're experiencing things like humiliation and submission activates some of the same sex chemicals that occur in arousal. Which is why you can step over from humiliation into arousal.
0: But isn't that true?' That's, that's just with masochism. We yeah, I have learned to create with the high impact pleasure from that. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean I equate that, it the same that's way. The same crossover. Yeah. yeah.
2: It all sounds very plausible to me. I've heard about that in the masochism, physical masochism context, but never with when it came to
1: humiliation, but it makes sense to me. I'll send you a link to a podcast we did with Secret Amy where we talked about this like some years ago. It, it was yeah. interesting.
2: Yeah. So the other thing I would add about humiliation is that it doesn't have to be verbal. And some people believe that, or just assume that humiliation is verbal, but right. it doesn't have to be. Right. Right. So, like for example, my other partner, who publicly goes by the name Kay, she and I are actually married and living together. She recently gave me a golden shower. Okay. There was no verbal component of it. it sure. It was the first golden shower I'd ever experienced. I found that to be a deeply humiliating experience.
0: Yeah. Wow. But it, it was so
2: gross and it made me feel so low.
0: Really? Isn't that interesting? So I'm just trying to think of my sadistic side as a dominant. And like I've done things like had people... Ride on a piece of cardboard, I'm a whore, and go stand on the street and wait and wave at cars. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Wow. I think this is
1: amazing. It is. It's very interesting. So, as a 40 year old man who identifies as a submissive, I don't know what to call you masochist. Humiliation slut? I don't know what to call you call. I think
0: humiliation is.
1: Are you a humiliation slut? Is that
2: what you are? I would call myself a submissive. That's usually that. Just a submissive, okay? Yeah, but as well, as a forty year
1: old submissive, as you stand, as you stand in the space you're in right now, as you look at your life as a sexual creature, because what we're interested in is understanding where sexuality lives authentically for people and how right. that relates to their happiness, right? So my question is, as a forty year old submissive, as you stand in your as-found place, as-lived. Are you happier now than you've ever been?
2: Oh, my gosh. So much happier. So much happier. And the whole part of the story that I didn't share with you earlier on about my kink journey is that after I found out that I loved this kind of kink back in my college days is that I lived through decades of terrible shame and hiding in the closet.
1: Yeah.
0: That's terrible.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can totally see that. Listen, most people... Who have sexual fantasies are ashamed about their fantasies. They just are, right. yeah. And there's no reason to be because there's somebody who would actually be like all over that fantasy.
2: That's what's so- right, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of this, a lot of the shame comes from some place of kind of familial expectations or the expectations of our friends and the environment we grow up sure, in. Sure, religion. For me, a lot of it had to do yeah. with being told this is this is how to treat women and this is sure. how to find a girlfriend and sure. grow up and live a. Yeah. Happy Life and Pink was not a part of that
1: story. No, listen, I can completely identify with your experience because there's nothing as a man, there's nothing more powerful than to be at the feet of a powerful woman. There's nothing more <laughs> experientially powerful than
0: that. That's the most sexually charged moment that exists. I'm taken with this whole humiliation thing. And <clears throat> I've said this before on different things like masochism and right. stuff. But I do think, because I don't get humiliated very often. No, you're, so i just not, I, that isn't my thing. No. I wish it was, because it seems like it would be easy to create things, but it doesn't do anything for me, you know, because I'm just not embarrassed or anything. But what I equate it to, and it was somewhat part of the mask is when we were early on playing, yeah. was like it's like, it's like you choosing on your own to go on this roller coaster. Right. Like, you know, it's going to scare the shit out of you. You know this, like, you know, your response and what's going to happen. Yeah. And there's a titillation, fear and exhilaration from that. Yeah. But you stand in line and you get on the ride and you go. Yeah. That humiliation is very much like that because it's even when I create humiliation moments for people. Yeah. It's about that like first there's a phase where they stand in line right and this is the phase where they're readying themselves right and then then there's a phase that they get on the ride and this is when they're actually in an action on the humiliation thing like they've actually chosen do you know how high that makes a dominant to have someone choose to put themselves in that position when you as a dominant know they're about to go on the biggest roller coaster of their life And they're getting an exhilaration of power, right? But you're getting this exhilaration of this euphoric moment. It's just, it's magic. Right,
2: right. Yeah, to take this out of the humiliation realm, but I I really hear what you're saying. In recent years, I kind of understood, just to take a good analogy, ball busting. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, ball busting is painful. Pain (laughs) sucks, right? But, like, there's something very submissive about the act of Someone with male genitalia spreading their legs wow. as an act of subservience so that their dominant can kick them in the balls or whatever it yeah. is, right? Yeah. Just that act, Yeah. I've heard from dominance, of the leg spreading is like is very arousing for it any dominant.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, humiliation is a fascinating topic because a lot of it is inside your head. Like most of the experience of humiliation is... Against the stories you tell yourself about what's right and wrong, there's a morality play occurring mm-hmm. in humiliation. And humiliation lives in the world of violations of your morality, which is why, I like for some Catholics, what they really love to do is fuck a priest or fuck a nun, right? Because it violates their religious morality. Yeah. And I remember when I took you out to the pier and I told you to pee your pants on the pier. You were like, yeah, okay, well, I peep my pants, so what? And you weren't humiliated because it doesn't violate your morality. Or you had
0: me squat at the end of the period in public. Yeah. I was like, okay, I don't know what this is doing. And it was very clear to me that I was like not attached to- To To
1: the humiliation.
0: Like I was more attached, and I'm sure this is what overloaded any- thought of humiliation was service right i was very much that's where my wiring was for service and for is yeah and so i was about service and so oh my dominant asked for this that's what they're gonna get yeah basically screw anyone else that's worried about it so that
1: but, raises a question hypno pincushion which is that no. is your humiliation a function of your desire to serve your dominant or is it really a desire to be humiliated
0: and um, and, and you're not wrong by saying however, whatever it is right
2: yeah yeah, yeah, whatever it is. I understand. Yeah, no, it's it's more a desire to be humiliated.
0: Got it. Okay. But that's, do you know what you, you just shared something that's so real with submissives. Oh my God, this is like paramount. So like back in the day when I first moved into this world, I, you know, there was like the ultra submissive, you have to be a slave and you have to be all these things and whatever. Right. And, you know, you got to win the submissive championships, whatever. <laughs> And there are lots of people out there on social media that will tell you you're not doing it right, whatever. Right. However, what's key is, and I've mentioned this on podcasts before, is that as a submissive, you're like really powerful because the only reason you're dominant is a dominant is because you're submissive and you're submitting to them. Otherwise, there's nothing happening there. Right. And so the idea of finding your lane and what works for you And then finding, of course, a dominant that wants to work with you in that lane to expand it, and quite frankly, it works for both sides of the slash, is actually the thing. That's the thing people need to find. What they look for is they go, oh, that's a D. I should go after any D. No, I mean, that's not the point. You have to go with someone that... That aligns with you. That aligns. Yeah. It's
2: all about the match. I mean, that's true in kinky
0: and vanilla dating. Sure. But I think in... In kink, especially, you get a yes. good vibe and you get
2: a good match, and yeah. it's so much more than simply getting someone on the other side of the. So, stretch. does
1: your wife engage in humiliation tasks in the way that your dominant does?
2: She does not as much. She, well, you would talked about her. You were talking about
1: giving you a golden shower. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, Or, or, and she doesn't particularly look for the emotional state of masochism stuff, but she does engage in it, Got and it. she's really good at it when she does. Okay. Just she, her wiring is more geared towards physical play. Got it. And I nice. love doing that with her. It's
1: sure. Great. Got it. Okay. That's so
0: great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm interested to know because, you know, we're in the... The uh, like Lady, Petra, Lady <laughs> Petra is a demi-sapiosexual <laughs> and I'm a sapiosexual. So we can't be poly for that reason. <laughs> it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm interested to know in a poly dynamic where you have two dominants, how does that work? It's
2: complicated. <laughs> uh, I mean it's I, there are you, you have to basically to boil it down if you're familiar with polydynamics, you can't relinquish your responsibilities as a hinge. Right. Mainly because you're submissive.
1: Right. Right? And right. I think
2: that submissives, myself included, tend to have this instinct towards deference towards your dominance. Yeah. And that's really great, you know, depending on your dynamic. But if you're kinky and you're polyamorous at the same time, You have to, um, at least I have to, see each of my dynamics as kind of being its own self-contained thing. So you keep them distinct. The spaces in between those dynamics are still my responsibility to maintain.
1: Got it. Okay, good. That makes sense. If you were to give advice to a, a young kingster who's curious about exploring the world of humiliation and degradation, what advice would you give them? I would say, first off, you can definitely find it,
0: it's absolutely out there. Really dig in and explore
2: what kind of humiliation and degradation you enjoy. So, one of the leading thought leaders on this area is Princess Callie, who wrote the book Enough to Make You Blush. She just came out with a second edition recently. Okay, excellent resource. It, she really has a perspective that resonates for me, at least, and for many other people. The most important thing is that humiliation play and this kind of mental play is very, very personalized. Yes, right? yes. you can't just say I like, like you said, Lady Petra. You can't just say I like humiliation, and then everyone will understand what you mean, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's like what do you what do you like? What things do you like? What sorts of things do you like being said to you or done to you? How right. do you like them being said? Do you like this tone or that tone? What's too much? Because a lot of people, even who are into accumulation play, have very firm limits on the extreme end. All these things are extremely personal and it can take some soul searching. And then you have to have good communication skills with your partner. Yeah. And that book by Princess Kelly, Enough to Make You Blush, is a very good guide for introducing those kinds of concepts.
1: I really appreciate I you. I love sharing that. that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's great. Yeah. I am curious about this world because. Because you got mind fucked recently, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually an interesting question on its own. Is mind fuckery a part of humiliation?
2: It can be, not necessarily. So. I think that the word mindfuckery is kind of overloaded and it's used in many different contexts to mean many different things. Okay. And when you when you sort of separate out and talk to people, what do you really mean by mindfuckery? Then people often are talking about different things. Sure. So when I think about mindfuckery, I think about things like erotic hypnosis, which I'm really, really into. Okay. Like about as much as humiliation. I kinda of go back and forth on which one is my favorite kink. And so hypnosis and that kind of mind play. I absolutely love, there are a lot of skept- people who are skeptical, but I can assure people it's really real. You can do a lot of really cool stuff. Well, we're, we're actually- so we're like in,
0: experts, experts at
1: it. Yeah. We're actually but, into mindfuckery through hypnosis. We are. And so we,
0: yeah. like hypno-kink. hypno-kink. We're hypno-kink. like hardcore. Yeah, so we did a whole like three months, four months. Was it longer? Six months, Yeah, Year,
1: year long. Yeah. Oh,
0: maybe a year. Yeah. But
1: anyway, you're talking to people who are like deep believers in hypno-kink. So go on.
0: Mm,
2: yeah. So- I love the combination of hypnosis and humiliation. And you can huh. use hypnosis in humiliating ways to do amazing things. I mean, just as a simple example, yeah. you, can, you, you can use hypnosis to give people suggestions that whenever they are called certain words or everything will just feel more humiliating. Then you can take them out of trance and start humiliating them, and it'll be like humiliation play on steroids. Wow.
1: Interesting. 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 Just so... People understand. Over a course of a year, I trained Lady Petra to have a mouthgasm, which is when my cock goes down her throat, she has an orgasm through hypnokink So yeah,
0: we worked on that really hard. <laughs> yeah, so
1: so there's a lot of opportunities in hypno to which do all is sorts super of Super awesome. Things. We talked to a hypno who actually hypnotized his wife to believe that they were gonna have their first date, and he met her at a restaurant on their first date through hypnokink. So oh, yeah, so hypnotic is very powerful, but the idea of combining it with humiliation is very interesting. Yeah,
2: there are people out there who do that. It's a great combination. I mean, yeah. really, hypnosis can be combined with practically anything. Yeah, but yeah. Hypnosis and humiliation are like peas and carrots.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. I really think this is an area people are very confused about. They think of obviously they have their own context, so they think to be naked in front of someone. Would be humiliating, okay? So that's their thing, and right. for other people, they're like, "I get nothing from that, right?" um And so, I guess I'm curious about this. Maybe selfishly for my own self, like, is there something um, that you find humiliating? I would find humiliating, yeah, it's right? Yeah. Because humiliation does when you're when you're in you told flight, or fo- flight or flight um, or flight or fight mode, yeah, or you're in fear. I'm a woman, so I have women's biology. We get wet in those moments. Yeah. It, you can't help it. It's just what happens, right? Yeah. So there's a factor that's happening there. There's mm-hmm. two sides of the coin. So I think there's something there with um, exhilaration, fear, and what would that lead to in um, sexual excitement? That's interesting. That's a good question. Yeah. And, and it's know, just I, something I, to I explore. That,
2: like More people are into humiliation broadly broadly defined than or at least more kinksters are
0: than yeah.
2: those who admit it kind of that's but true when i hear people talk about why they're into this kink or that kink a lot of times it sounds like they're talking about how they like humiliation yeah, that's but right. they define humiliation to be this very narrow thing that they're not into so they say oh no no i'm not into that yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I, and i get yeah. it and a lot of times that humiliation because it's so loaded it falls in the area where people's hard limits are And they have every right to have a hard limit. But they then cut off humiliation completely. Like they think, because this I won't let happen, then none of it's going to happen. And they don't even consider, I really do believe this. I think humiliation is a huge gamut. Yeah,
1: that's right. Right. I mean, I think all sexuality is personal, like all of it. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I think that if you've got a story about where humiliation lives for you, and somebody can, like, access that, they can turn you on sexually. Now, it's possible yeah. they can go past that point, right? They correct, past correct. There's and limits. that turns you off, right? And correct. so that's kind of the, for me, like, that's kind of the question in humiliation. Like, when does it become, like, humiliating sexually and, and arousing? And when does it come, like, okay, that's too far? So,
0: so like, I'm, okay, I'm very body aware, and I'm it's, right? right? So I get out of the shower and I think, oh, I should go dust out that, floor mat right oh I'll just walk outside there's no one around I'll just walk outside and do it and I like have no qualms of that what I worry about is you know other people's experience of me walking out naked and shaking a rug out (laughs) but for me it's like no you're very comfortable in your body yeah yeah and I'm not saying people have to be like that I'm me that's who I am but like then I think to myself, so what am I? What am I? I mean, I'm human. Really I'm right. human. So right. there's got to be something I'm humiliated about. Right? Well, you're not. I've tried to humiliate. You. I so know. The, <laughs> only, the only right. thing that you've like. Well,
2: I'll tell you something: as someone who really like ex- has explored this, like my yeah. entire kink journey, yeah, is that like it used to be a lot easier to humiliate me because, and honestly, it's because I had a lot more insecurity. Yeah. And you could like poke at anything, and I'd feel bad about it. Sure, 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 and sure. And, sure. Then, and as and as I and as one of the weird ironies about humiliation play is that as you get poked at more, you heal from those little wounds. Yeah and then you get stronger.
0: So here's the question up and go away. And so as a result of that, like it's a growth I think humiliation play is a growth. Well have you have you
1: healed yourself through humiliation?
0: I think that might be
2: true.
1: Say more about that.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of something that I started noticing in my later years about my explorations and humiliation, which is that like as I as i explored certain types of humiliation i started noticing that like the things that the things that felt the most humiliating were the things that i felt the most insecure about interesting ooh right. and so i started looking at myself and saying what do i feel really bad about yeah. about myself like yeah. not just kink wise but about yeah. anything and no, then, yeah and then like those were the subject that was the subject matter that seemed to have the just seemed to hit the hardest And i'm lucky that i'm someone who really doesn't have any limits in this area so it could be like yeah hit harder hit harder hit me at this thing that i feel really shitty about Yeah. yeah and then i'd be like yeah that hits the spot right right and so and so as people i've played with have explored have hit those spots i do find that i i do find that those insecurities tend to go away they become
0: more resilient and that's fascinating Right, like
2: one of the things that i felt a long time ago like i was very insecure about was about my sexuality
0: yeah and i had a forced by
2: experience that was, felt very humiliating was right, of right humiliating experiences of my life just the act of it it felt very kind of counter- well, can i ask you a question by, about that and who i felt my identity was
1: was that a consensual forced by experience or non-consensual?
2: It involved hypnosis. So it was okay. kind of... What you but had you agreed to it in advance? On dubious consensuality. Dubious. There's okay, go on. Dubious. Okay, okay, go on, go on. Okay. Anyway, but I did have I did have an experience giving a man a blowjob and yeah. I did not feel consensual and I felt really bad about it.
0: Afterwards. Oh, yeah. Very
2: humiliated. But, but in kind of a kinky way, right? Like right. that's what it's all about. Feeling bad is also can be very kink-satisfying. So it kind of... It's a double edged sword. But
1: did did you have I'm a conversation with your dominant around that?
2: And trying to sort this out of my head, it really helped me feel much more secure in oh, the Oh, interesting. Work about my sexuality.
1: Wow. So are you bi?
2: No, I, I identify as hetero. Okay. Um, and I'm more kind of secure in that than I ever was. And meanwhile, like forced by as a means of humiliation doesn't pack as much of a punch sure. as it used to. Sure.
0: And it sounds, I mean, in my uptake as a submissive because i'm not by. i guess i can't even say that i'm i think i'm i don't know pan- pansexual or whatever yeah. because i'm not a sexuality that's normally occurring and so the reality is i even said this to after the other day i said well it really doesn't matter about people's junk it has to do with has the right person come around and tickle my brain in the way that i need to be stimulated yeah. because as a demi-sapiosexual if you don't tickle my brain, I can tell that you're attractive or whatever. However, I will never act on that because nothing has been arousing for me until yeah. it becomes arousing. Then the game is afoot, basically. But what I'm taken by is that to me in my submissiveness, I hear, well, yeah, you did the buy thing, even if maybe it wasn't fully consensual. Because you're a pleasing, your are you're a service sub, you're submitting, you're doing what's asked of you. And in the place of doing, you experience the humiliation. And of course that occurs how it does. But wow, I'm really fascinated with this whole humiliation thing. Not like I want to start doing it. It's not like that. It's about understanding like sure. how it fits in the world of kink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. I appreciate you sharing all of this. Is there anything else you want to say that you haven't got to say about the world of humiliation, hypno-kink, and submission?
2: Yeah, I would just like to say one thing, if you can fit this in, which is that, like... It can be really tough especially as a submissive man a lot of a lot of submissive men feel deep shame about and also a lot of frustration and uncertainty about finding compatible partners and i just wanted to say it is totally possible like i was in the depths of of self-pity and thinking that i would never possibly be able to find a dominant woman and i have been very successful but it took many years to get myself there a lot of introspection and therapy and exploration and I just want to assure, assure other sinister men out there who are feeling really bad about themselves that it is possible.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's actually great advice. You know, we created because the world that we live in, in our life, it's like magic. Like we actually have an incredible, loving, kink dynamic. And mm-hmm. the way we got there was by doing a deep dive into what we're interested in ourselves. So knowing yourself, because you said earlier, you talked about in kink, you want to match the fetishes and the desires and the intensities. And if you can overlay those things, you're like golden, right? So we created a 90 day coaching training program, which allows you to take a deep dive internally to figure out who you are as an actual sexual creature, which lets you ask for the right things to get what you need and want. And when you ask for what you want, you actually find what you want. That's really the bottom line. That's the beauty. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, Pen Cushion, if people wanted to interact with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: The best way, I suppose, is to find me on Twitter, where my handle is at Hypnodrone2.
1: Oh. Say it again. Hypno?
2: Hypnodrone2, the number two.
1: Got it. All right. Well, Hypno, this has been a fascinating conversation. I've really appreciated learning about what you're up to and yeah. giving us a deeper insight into humiliation, which is something we've never done. So thank you. Yeah,
0: you're welcome. Thank you so thank much. You That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time. Cheers.